0: Spring is here and the 2022-23 WA Country Cricket season is now well in sight and we simply can't wait. My name is Rob Marshall and this is Out on the Paddock, a podcast inspired by and brought to you by the WA Country Cricket Board. In the past decade of WA Country Cricket, when you think of stylish, classy cricketers playing within regional cricket here in this state, many names might come to mind, but none so more than Leschnault Cricket Club, BDCA and WA Country 11 player Tom Buchanan. Tom's grace with the bat, as well as his lethal fielding prowess, has made him a much revered and respected player in the game. In this very special episode of Out on the Paddock, we get to unpack Tom's highly successful country cricket career to date and hear his perspectives on the game as well as some unfinished business still to come. But very much more than all of that, Tom shares the very tough journey that he and his close family have been on in recent times since the very tragic and sad loss of a wonderful cricket-loving young girl called Alia and how he now sees things through a very different lens and his efforts to honour her life. This is a great and wonderful story of a great and wonderful WA country cricketer. Enjoy the story of Tom Buchanan. One of, the, one of the cricketers that uh, I've come to admire over a very long, long time now is somebody I got the opportunity to play with a bit at the end of my career um, and really came to understand the, the passion that this person has for cricket and the way he approaches it, the way he loves it, the way he um, goes about his mannerisms on the field are something that I came to admire then and still admire to this day. Uh, we're going to unpack his story in this episode of Out on the Paddock. And it's a story that's not just about a cricket journey. It's a it's a journey that I think you're going to really engage with in a different way, perhaps, to what we have with some of the other episodes that we've had so far. But Tom Buchanan, welcome to Out on the Paddock. Yeah, thanks for having me, Rob.
1: Um, I did say on the phone the other week that I was quite humbled to get the phone call and asked to come on. So I've been listening to the work you've been doing and thoroughly enjoying it. So yeah, really appreciate you having me on.
0: I think one of the things that um, many who are listening in will will know you for is exactly what I've just said, the way that you go about yourself on the field. You. To me, I don't even know if you you, you really realise this yourself, but you just present yourself well on the field. You look good when you bat. I'm not just talking about the way you bat. You just look, you've, you've got all your stuff, you know, tucked in. you got everything all going for you as far as that goes. Is that something you pride yourself on? Do you try to look like a good cricketer or uh, is that just something that uh, has evolved? I would say
1: evolved over time. I think, you know, it's probably always, I guess not taught that, but, you know, the old man probably instilled that in me from, um, you know, early on, like respecting the game and um, presenting respectable and just simple things like that that have probably just continued to develop over time. And, I know, particularly when I bat these days, there's a lot of mannerisms in the way that I go about it that I probably didn't notice it until the old (laughs) frog box became a thing. And and you might see the odd video here and there and realise, yeah, that it's probably quite unique the way I go about it. But I certainly don't think of that from the outside until, yeah, I actually see it in person.
0: Well, I can well remember my dad growing up uh, instilling in me that, uh, I remember him saying to me quite early on in the piece, Rob, if you can't be a good cricketer, at least look like a cricketer. So <laughs> he, uh, he definitely did that. I think you've mastered both, by the way. You uh, not only look good as a cricketer, but you are a good cricketer. Um, you, you just mentioned your dad. And, um, so if you sort of go back, we've done this with, with a few guests on the podcast. If you go back, was there, a, was it dad that sort of put a cricket bat in your hand for the first time, or where 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 did your cricket career sort of kick off?
1: Yeah, it definitely would have been dad. Um, my earliest memories are probably backyard cricket at things like Christmas and yeah. and things like that with my cousins, and um, you know they were they were great times. I, I used to love playing backyard cricket, um, but. In terms of an on-field thing, it certainly would have been dad. Dad played cricket as well, and he was a, a wicket-keeper batsman, and um, quite good from what I've from what I've heard. Um, and his old man um, Bill Buchanan, who a lot of people around Bunbury area would probably know the name as well. So certainly was always in my blood to play cricket. Um, there's been a few sports that I've I've tried most sports to be honest, but cricket's the one that's you know been there throughout. So. Certainly have a, a passion, go, passion for it, and it.
0: Yeah, I think the old man's the one that I need to pat on the back for that. I can absolutely assure you. I played a bit bit of cricket with and against your dad over the journey, even as recent times as some masters matches, and he's still got it. I mean, he, absolutely, he makes uh, most of us uh, feel totally embarrassed about how good he looks. I mean, man, <laughs> for somebody of his age, he's uh, he's still the best looking rooster going around, in my opinion. But <laughs> just saying, I'm, yeah. sure your, I'm sure your mum uh, probably feels the same. Yeah. I'm hoping. And- <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, I can remember only maybe a handful of years ago when he'd played the odd B or C grade game and just. Yeah. He'd make not out every week. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I he'd... used to have
1: blokes chirping me about my old man <laughs> being a better bat than me and <laughs> making these not out saying he's too good for C grade and too good for B grade. But he, he's. Um, hopefully he'll play a bit of Masters this year and we'll see him back in the Whites. It'd be nice.
0: It would be good. It, it's been. Been a pleasure to play with him over the journey. I must must tell you. Um, so, is it um, Leshnold Cricket Club for your whole career so far? I know we'll talk a little bit about your journey in Perth, but was it always Leshnold? Where did where did you first sort of play for a club as such?
1: Yeah, it was Leshnold. Yeah, yeah, all my juniors were Leshnold, and um, as you mentioned, there was a brief stint up in Perth, and then it was back to Leshnold. So, yeah, all my all my country cricket has been for Leshnold, and that's one thing. That is so important to me. Is like I'm, I'm just so I love the thought of loyalty and, and I love that cricket club and it'll always be Leichhardt for me. So yeah, it's been there from
0: the start and it'll be there till the end. I'd say. So Leichhardt Cricket Club has sort of evolved oh, um, in a couple of ways. Uh, I, I actually played for Leichhardt back in the 1990s in the BDCA, and then there was a period of time where Leichhardt cricket club certainly as a senior club didn't have a, a presence just for a short period of time and then there was a a, a sort of a, a groundswell of juniors that came through and it's it's out of that crop of the late 90s um, from my understanding that and you that's about the time you started to get involved uh, involved I'm guessing
1: yeah my before that stint in Perth um yeah, my memories were, you know, I was the real young kid coming through, playing with, you know, your Mick Newmans, your Dave Newmans, um, your Brody Daggers, and these were the gun that had like an absolute jet, was a C-grade side, then it was a B-grade side, side, and I was the young fella batting at six or seven, just, you know, getting a gig here and there and having a bit of fun, Um but, yeah, they was certainly um, – that's when it really started to kick off and I was probably too young to really – I don't have a lot of memories. Like I said, I don't recall a lot of the games. I remember making a few runs here and there. But it wasn't until I went to Perth and then come back that I really started to, I guess, um, you know, have a, have a true sense of, of the club and being a big part of the club and a leader of the club. It wasn't until I come back from that Perth stint,
0: Yeah. So what we've talked about this with a couple of guests previously, a couple of um, guys who did flirt with going to Perth and and had a bit of a uh, you know run up there. Was there any reasons why you didn't sort of feel that that was where you wanted to land? Uh, was it was it cricket or was it other things that mm. sort of determined? It that? was
1: it was work for me and yeah. the, and the travel. I um. As most people would know, most people listening to this podcast, I think yep. I'm I'm the horse guy, you know. Yeah. I work, work yeah, with we'll horses. talk about that. We'll get into work that. work horses, train horses, yeah. like a put- bit of you know having a punt and things like that. And for me, it, it was simply like I just love my horses and um, the travel involved because I I didn't want to leave Bunbury. Um, the travel just became too much, so. Decided that I wanted to, um, you know, put my focus into my work, which led me just coming back here and playing cricket locally. And um, I was pretty content with that. Yeah, it was It was never, you know, I loved my cricket, but it was never, I wasn't one of those kids that dreamt of playing for WA or Australia or anything, anything like that. It was just a sport and a, a good,
0: fun hobby for me. So that's why work took priority and made my way back to Bunbury. One, one of the conversations that we're certainly having um, at WA Country Cricket Board level at the moment is, is the importance of, of trying to keep opportunity available for country cricketers, whether that be uh, male, female, young, older, to be able to still make their platform wide. In other words, be able to say the, the cricket I'm playing is the very best cricket I'm playing and I'm loving the fact that I've got that opportunity. So obviously from a country perspective, we we have the WA Country Eleven, the WA Country Colts, uh, the, the Country Eleven now for the for the women, um, but we also have other opportunities like for masters. You mentioned masters before. Um, we've got our programs through the regions that that kids can invest in. From your point of view, you just said that, you know, it wasn't a desire for you to ever play for WA or Australia, or not so much a desire, but it wasn't something that was high on your radar. Do you still, you know, sort of reflect now and value the chance you've had to play some high-level cricket in for WA country? Yeah, I do.
1: Certainly that side of things, um, you know, I, I, I was lucky to when I did play, we were successful in just my second year. Like it took me a long time... For that same work reason, Rob, I, for a number of years through my early 20s, I was asked by the Country 11, do you want to play this year? Do you want to play this year? And it was no, no, no for a long time, yeah. for work because yep. um, for those that don't know the horse industry, it's you, like you you don't get your four weeks annual leave, you work pu- public holidays, like it's just a non-stop industry um, and I, w- I wasn't going to take 10 days off, um, my probably my only 10 days off for the year to go and play cricket so... I actually never played uh, representative cricket at that level until my late twenties, and finally said yes to you know playing a few. um, They play the the in the district T20 comp started there, and then toured a couple of times. Was lucky enough to get success over in in Shepparton, Um, and that was something that I probably look back and go, I wish I probably did it sooner, Um, but glad that I was still able to get that opportunity at at the age that I did,
0: yeah. And I think that's the key. I think that's the thing that we're, the central message that we're trying to send is that opportunity at least was there. Yeah. Um, we're learning that, you know, f- certainly perhaps if you live in a metro area, uh, unless you make your way into Premier Cricket and try to, you know, aspire to make the, the way for WA, to play for WA, the Warriors, as we... We once sort of knew them or still know them, I guess. Um, there isn't a lot of other opportunities. Where in WA Country Cricket, we can provide that opportunity to, to, to play at a level like you did with, with the, uh, the Country 11. And we'll talk a little bit more about Shepparton in a while. But I think the other thing that we hope the message we're trying to send is that it also then gives you an opportunity to stay in a community that you enjoy being in with your family and to be able to invest back into that community, whether that be, in your case, Australind and, you know, the southwest of WA, or whether that might be out in Burden or out, yeah. uh, um, up yeah. in Geraldton or wherever it may be, Albany, uh, Port Hedland, we, we really have a desire to make sure that that platform, as we call it, is still available. So, and I think you're a great um, example of that. You chose work, but it also gave you a chance to stay with family. So I want to talk a little, a little bit about family also in a moment. But before we do, I've got to unpack for the listeners your cricket career because it's quite outstanding. And I've got to call out, it's, it's, it's still a long way to go in my mind. Uh, uh, you know, for most of the guests that we've had on out on the paddock so far, our careers are pretty much done and dusted. <laughs> a few of us are still trying to, you know, hang in there. But uh, yours is still alive and kicking well and truly. So I dived into my cricket um, again, I'm not certain, you know, with your career starting in the early 2000s, sort of around there, maybe mid-2000s. Yeah, yeah. in terms of seniors, yeah. I don't know if my cricket's got it fully, but it's going to be pretty close, I reckon. 325 games, um, so you've got to hang around at least to get to 500. That's, <laughs> that, was, that, that was my marker. Um, a higher score of 131. This is the really impressive bit, 8,785 runs, and an average of 32, which is pretty amazing. Um, so again, I think you've got to hang in there for at least 10,000 runs in your career, <laughs> surely. Um, uh, the other thing that those who are listening in that have seen Tom Batt, um, it's a pleasure to watch Tom Batt. Whatever way, whatever style he bats in a game, whatever the conditions, but across a career, he's got an average, a strike rate of 115, which tends to show how aggressive you are. Without, I would, I would doubt that you could be termed a slogger. Uh, you know they, that term got put on me a lot over my career, but <laughs> I don't think anyone could um, strike you down as a uh, as a slogger. Eight hundreds. Now, this is a bit that. I reckon um, you might enjoy listening to. I know Glenn Deering did when we talked his career. You've also taken ninety four wickets at an average of twenty, with a best bowling of five for twenty eight. So, uh, quite often, batsmen kind of like to talk a bit more about their bowling <laughs> than they do their batting. Tell me about the five for twenty eight. You remember that? I or? do. Yeah, it was a. Um,
1: there'll be a,
0: there'll
1: be a few boys that'll get a good chuckle <laughs> out of this because it was. Um, it was a juniors game, but the umpire was Kim- Kimbo Franklin. Right,
0: <laughs> yes, I know. For those kidding. that
1: know Kimbo, he didn't mind putting his finger up. So <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure if there was another umpire, whether it would have been five for 28. But on that day, I think I got three LBWs in a juniors game, which doesn't happen too often. But um, no, you take it, maybe, mate. Yeah. Don't ever let
0: the uh, <laughs> the truth get in the way of a good story. Yeah, is exactly. another thing that Dad taught me over the journey. <laughs> I think the other thing that I want to really focus in on, and something that we haven't done in any of our previous episodes, really, is I know how much pride you take in fielding as well. Um, so my cricket: 157 catches and, and 33 run outs. I'm going to go that I reckon there's some run outs missing there because I'm sure I saw you get three or four in a match once. Um, so it, maybe tell tell um, those that are tuning in, and we've got a lot of uh, younger guys who uh, tune in, who probably feel as though cricket is about mastering batting and bowling, but the importance of fielding in your mind? Yeah, huge, Rob, huge. I think I, I love
1: fielding. I absolutely love it. And the way that I would probably best describe it is if you're a batsman and you don't enjoy fielding, it's going to be a long 50 overs <laughs> in the field. So, like, I've always loved my fielding. I pride myself on my fielding. I put a hell of a lot of work into it. Um, obviously, lucky that I've always been reasonably good hand-eye with ball, so it's come reasonably naturally. Um, but, yeah, fielding something that, that I really aspire to be the best at. Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately, over the years now, early 30s, my shoulder is no longer what it once was, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to catch every ball that comes to me or stop every ball that tries to go past me because I still, yeah, to me fielding is is a crucial element of the game Um, and it's something that I thoroughly enjoy doing and putting work into and I would recommend, yeah, the kids to... um, put as much work into it as they can because it can also turn a game because we've seen how important runouts can be or a catch that wouldn't normally get taken can turn a game on its head.
0: So,
1: mm. um, yeah, the, the side of the game that I do thoroughly enjoy, Rob, and, and like being held in high regard because it's mm. important to me as well.
0: Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, and, again, I think those who have played with or against Tom would know you certainly don't try and take a cheeky run to cover if he's lurking around <laughs> out there. I think I, I tried to at Harvey a few times and came off second best. Um, but it certainly is an element of the game and probably at the country level, at the regional level, that we don't put a, a, a huge focus on. We tend to have, you know, the training session where it goes for three hours, we're in the nets bowling and batting and then for the last five minutes we go out and hit some catches in yeah. the air. Um I think that's an area that country cricketers probably could and should get better at over yeah. the journey and, and you're living proof mm-hmm. of how important that is. Um, and, and you know, there has been some exceptional cricketers, no doubt, through your your uh, career that are good in the field. And, you know, we talked about, you know, or you mentioned Shepherd and, and I'll, I'll probably come back to that in a moment, but I think my memories having been there for some of that was... You had a team that was just exceptional in the field and turned yeah. games because of that. Yeah. So I think we um, we recognise that uh, a career sometimes is defined by how many runs and how many wickets you've taken, but I think you can proudly look at your career so far and look at those 157 catches and 33 run outs and go, yeah, that that's just as important as 8,785 runs.
1: Yeah. Um, and I've always thought I I'd, I'd almost choose a direct hit run out. Over a hundred in terms of the feeling, Rob. Like, there's not much better than throwing the stumps down and the te- and the
0: boys get around you. It it's just the yeah. team up and about, does not yep. it? it and, changes oh, yeah. the game. It does. Yeah. So um, yep.
1: fielding's, yeah, it's great. And
0: yeah, yeah. No, I'm I'm pleased that um, we've had the opportunity to unpack that because there is way too much emphasis sometimes on on uh, batting and bowling, and fielding is is sometimes pushed to one side. So we will circle round to um, that. That's predominantly most of those statistics that we've just spoken about ha- are probably runs scored in club cricket. But you also mentioned your, your time in the WA Country 11 and certainly the Sheppard and Tour, um, which was 2017. Yeah, I'm, 18. With dates. Yeah. I'm going to say four years ago. Yeah, four years yeah. ago. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So tell us a little bit about that tour and I think basically my memories of it to kick it off is that it didn't actually get off to a great start but the team was a young team and and sort of persevered.
1: Yeah, I think looking back, I think it was was really set up from outstanding leadership, I thought. Um, I probably look back and think we weren't the best team over there but the leadership was outstanding. The... um, the way that the team bonded together was outstanding and yeah it's look to be honest that the early parts of that tournament are a little bit of a blur to me Rob I don't think you know that it was more the back end of the tournament when we started to you know think we were a real sniff and and each game we just got on that run and we just we just kept winning and winning and winning and then after a while it was Hang on! If we win tomorrow, we've won it all. It doesn't matter what happens on the yeah. the one day final. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it just yeah, like I said, it was just a great bunch of guys that got on so well. Um, and Edo and Hutch driving that team was was outstanding. And we all just we all bonded and we played for each other and and we just kept getting the results. And like you can just you know what that that impact has on a team when everyone's committed and working towards the same goal. Everyone's selfless um, and it has has that drive to succeed um, because I felt like the year before there was, I can't really recall how many of us did the year before that I did in Geraldton and it was was disappointing and I just thought we didn't represent WA the way that we should have. So to go back the next year and do what we
0: did was pretty special, I thought. So for context, for those who who are tuning in and, and don't, um, sort of know the history of those couple of years. Um, the the country the Australian country cricket championships were held in Geraldton and that was uh, um, 2018. Yeah, okay. 2018 and um, yeah, unfortunately, in our I guess you could call it our home tournament, mm. we didn't exactly play to the capacity. Had a really good team, no doubt about yeah, that. Yeah, I would An have said on team. paper
1: probably a better team than yeah. we had in Shepherd. And I but, mean, yeah, maybe, maybe not, but. Looking at it before we went away, we were confident, and, and now we look back and go, maybe we we didn't pick the right s-
0: squad potentially. But and I, and I think that's that's the thing. Um, I know Steve Phillippe, um has a, a really clear view on this. You know, to win a championship of that level, and again, for those who are listening who don't haven't seen the level of cricket that's played at the Australian Country Cricket Championships, it's very high-level yeah. cricket. It's extremely high-level cricket. It wouldn't be far off, you know, an exaggeration to say it's first or second grade, you know, premier cricket, yeah. I would say. I would agree, yeah. yeah. And um, Steve Phillippe often says you only have to be a little bit off yeah. for a tournament like that and it can go disastrously, oh, yeah. but if you are, if you are the other way switched on... Which is what we witnessed in yeah. Shepherd uh, and other teams that may well be better credentialed struggle for a tournament that yeah. goes effectively over nearly two weeks. So, uh, yeah, it was it was from our perspective, from uh, the spectator's perspective, to watch a young team like you guys had in Shepherd and led by Tim and well the two Tims, yeah, um, Tim he- yeah. Tim Hutch and Tim Edmonds, um, and to see how. You just slowly almost ground the other states down by good fielding, yep. holding catches, all the basic elements of yep. cricket that came together and as the week went on, all of a yeah. sudden it's like, yeah, we can win this. Yeah. And you did. Yeah, It was amazing stuff. So would you class that as one of the highlights of your career or?
1: In terms of, yeah, in terms of a pure thrill, uh, I would say, yeah, 100%. that. The feeling um, when we celebrated the win that we were going to win it all regardless. So it wasn't actually the one-day final. It was the win against South Australia, I think it was, from yep. memory. Yeah. Um, yeah, the boys, the celebration after that on the field and then in the chain rooms, yeah, in terms of a pure thrill, I would say 100%, yeah, the best moment in my career.
0: Yep. One of the things that we, we, I think, we're all looking forward to in WA Country Cricket is to get back to the championships. We've had a couple of years now where it's, sadly, thanks to mm, to yeah. Mister COVID, yeah. it's fallen off the radar. But yeah. uh, planning is well underway for this year's Carnival, in, which will be in Canberra, and um, it's yeah, it's, it'll just be good to get back out on the paddock, yeah. you know, to use the pun,
1: yeah.
0: uh, from an Australian Country Cricket Championships, and I'm I'm probably as excited as ever because I think our, our women's team this year will, yeah. will go to another level under some amazing coaching with Joel Gray and, and, and a number have put a lot of time and effort into that program over yeah. the last few years yeah. so really a lot to look forward to um, and uh, yeah going back to Going back to the fielding side of it, unfortunately, Tom, the thing that does diminish over time is your arm. <laughs> I can guarantee you that. I can yeah. well remember somebody at uh, Harvey in latter years of my career saying that, um, calling me custard, um, sorry, calling me vanilla because I didn't have the consistency of custard anymore. <laughs> I couldn't know that's how badly I was throwing. So uh, unfortunately it does get, yes, <laughs> get worse as knows. the years goes on. You've touched a little bit of, on... Dad's influence in your career, one thing I have come to know about you is is how connected the Buchanan family are as a family, as yeah. a whole. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned your, your granddad, Bill. Um, your your mum, your family as a whole, really important to you?
1: Oh, absolutely, Rob. It's, um, for those listening that know me reasonably well, we've obviously been through a reasonably tough time over the last two and a half years, which has just brought us even closer together. But mm. even before that... Um, you know, the work mum and dad have put in, um, particularly, particularly when I was younger, to, to get me to games. Um, and then you regularly see my sister there on a Saturday watching as well um, with her partner and, and my partner, Penny. Like it's, yeah, family's everything to me and I classify myself as an introvert as it is. And I think that even more so means that, you know, that my family who I'm most comfortable with is, yeah, they're, they're really my my big support crew in terms of who I can lean on and things like that. So family's everything, I think. Um, and, yeah, you sort of say that just reinstates that when you really think about it and put it into words. It's quite hard to, but,
0: yeah. Your mum, um, is she somebody who fell into cricket because you did and Dad then obviously married a cricketer or is she, or is, is she somebody that uh, had already had a passion for cricket before? Or, as far or? as I know, before she met Dad, no. no. And then... Yeah, once she
1: was um, with dad and they were in Perth, mum would be at the cricket all the time and she grew, she just grew to love it, like she genuinely loves the cricket now and she'll be there most games, if, if she can't be there it's because she's got something on, it's not because she doesn't want to go, She yeah, she's genuine, genuinely grown to love the game um, and she loves that club as much
0: as me and dad do I think, yeah. And also took it to the level of then getting involved with the club and and playing a significant role. I know when when I got involved with Leshnop, literally your mum was the uniform person. Yeah. If you needed something to do with a uniform, or <laughs> you you went to uh, to Tom's mum and yeah. she uh, she could almost get anything for you. Yeah, so.
1: I think it's in their nature to they've got that still got that involvement through me. They're always going to. Yep. Um, play that part, and I think everyone knows the work that Mum's done. And I'm sure if you've talked about Mum, you're about to talk about Dad and what yep. he still does around that cricket club. Yep. Um, yep. And even last year when I I didn't play a lot and the year, I think even the year before when I missed a, a year completely, he was still there helping people out he's, because that's just in his nature.
0: He's amazing, your Dad. You know, for those who haven't been to a, a Leschenault cricket club training session. Uh, When everybody's left, when it's almost so dark you can't, you know, you need your headlights on in the car, Uh, Peter will still be there with some young guy on the bowling machine, feeding balls on the (laughs) bowling machine. Well, after we're up in the the local pavilion having a drink, you know, his passion to try and improve young cricketers is there for everybody to see. And I think, again, that's the one thing that calls out WA Country Cricket um, or just country cricket as a whole over a lot of other areas perhaps involved with cricket is families when they get involved they, they have an investment uh, that does that goes way beyond just their own kids yep. you know your dad absolutely. has invested in so many other kids not just yeah, your own career absolutely and um and that's something i think we value in country cricket a, a, a lot when it comes to um the the family are you are you able to share a bit with us? We recently you've you've suffered a loss in the family. Um, you, you, your sister and your brother-in-law have been through some really tough times, and we'll call it out now. Tom's um, got a ride that you do now to raise money for a charity that I'll get you to to unpack in a moment. Yeah, um, but. Do you want to tell us a little bit about your niece, Alia, and um, and sort of what happened there with Alia?
1: Yeah, so Alia, she passed away to um, a rare children's cancer. It's a, an aggressive brain tumour called diffuse intrinsic pontine glioma. So uh, Alia was diagnosed with that in June of 2020 when she was seven years old and she passed away only five months later. So that's how aggressive this tumour is. Um, she celebrated her seventh birthday um, early June um, and we've got these, these beautiful photos of Alia at her seventh birthday and only two weeks later, Katie and Bryce were told she had six to nine months to live. Um, it's a it's a cancer that parents are told to go home and make memories quite simply. There's no treatment, there's no cure um, and it's so aggressive that these kids have no chance. Um, And yeah, it's as I touched on, like my family were, we were so close before that, and this just brought us all closer to again because you know what we've been through, we've just been leaning on each other for support over the past eighteen months now since Ali has been gone. Um, And yeah, it's been, it's yeah, it's horrible. Sorry for the listeners, but like grief is such a, it's such a difficult emotion that no one really understands a lot about and no one really understands how to approach it. And, um, yeah, so I've really, me being the person that I am, um, yeah, I've really dedicated a large portion of my life to give, help to give these families who are faced with this sort of diagnosis in the future, give them some hope because my family was given no hope. Ali was given no hope. Um, and for a seven-year-old, that's just, it's not right, Rob. Like it's... No.
0: It's um,
1: so, yeah, I've got a, a ride coming up that you touched on that I did. Um, you know, a lot of the listeners that know me personally would have known I did it last year and um, this is the second year that we're doing it this year. It's on October 1st and, um, yeah, it's to raise money for an Australian charity who's dedicated to um, advancing research in this particular tumour, which is, yeah, as I said, it's the deadliest brain tumour for children. Um And it's just, it needs a lot more awareness, a lot more research, a lot more funding. So I'm just trying to play my part really. So I I
0: think I might've called it a run, but it's a ride. Ride. It's definitely not a run. It's a ride. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I I might be able to. It confuses people because the charity's run DIPG, but it's a ride. I think that's where I've got confused, but let's call it out as a ride. So tell us about the ride. Where does that start? Where does it finish? What's involved? What will you be putting yourself through to go on that ride?
1: Yeah, so it's from uh, Windy Harbour to Leshno, which is just two places I chose. Um, when, I, when I started the ride last year, when I first tried to outline something, I wanted, I believed if I was going to ask people to donate money, I just didn't want it to be a Sunday, yeah. a, just a leisurely Sunday ride. So yeah. I was like, where can I go from that is a, a genuine challenge for me? Mm-hmm. Um and I chose Windy Harbour, which is a, a holiday destination of our family. Ali used to love being down at Windy Harbour, and um, to Leshno, to Nanny and PB's place, which is my mum and dad. Um, which is two hundred and sixty kilometres. Cheapers. Yeah, and I get it. Uh, well, last year we yeah, it's it's over a single day, so wow. it was nine and a half hours on the bike last year. Um, so it's a it's a massive day. It's a yeah, it's challenging, but I wanted it to be challenging because I want people to. Like I said, if I'm going to ask people to donate money and raise money, it needs to be for what I believe is not just a worthy cause in DIPG because that is a worthy cause in itself, but I, I want to do something that's really worthy in terms of having people raise money for me.
0: I can tell just, you know, obviously I've got the uh, the luxury of, of, of being able to see Tom right now and the passion that you have for that is really clear. It's It's a very determined passion. It's not something that you've just... Gone. I'll give it a go. You've obviously uh, deliberately chosen a challenging thing to do because you feel determined to, to make a difference with this. And certainly, I know um, the, the the ride you did last year. Um, you know the amount of support you got. I'm gathering um, you you were happy with, but is likely to increase this year as the word has spread. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So last year it was. Well, last year surpassed what I ever thought was achievable. Um, I think the end figure was a a tick over $45,000, which was only raised in eight or nine weeks. I only started training eight weeks before the ride last year, which is when I look back, it was stupid, but (laughs) I was able to get the job done. So, yeah, last year was $45,000 and this year um, I sat down with my partner, Penny, and really tried to figure out how we could make it grow and the obvious one is we get more riders. So yeah. um, this year was the first year that we opened it up to other people to join me on the ride mm-hmm. um, and we've got seven other people signed up at this stage. There's going to be eight riders and that just, all that does is it, it increases our um, capacity to raise awareness. So these people are raising awareness within their own friendship circles or families and things like that and then we, it gives us the ability to raise more money. Um, yeah. yeah. So... It's the first year that we've grown it. We've got eight riders. Um, it's quite remarkable. Um, I think we're already we're pr- approaching sixty five thousand dollars this year, and we're still i think six weeks until the ride so and wow. I think we've got nineteen major sponsors I think we're up to yeah so it's it's pretty special um where it is, where it's going, but yeah, I think people that know me well know me if I'm going to do something, it's going to get done properly um. And this is something that I'm extremely passionate about. And um, I think I've said a few times uh, what I want to do is like the hurt and suffering that me and my family have been through. If I can turn that and help other people that might be in the same position, that's really important to me as well.
0: So just, just so we can capture it and we'll make sure that um, we, when uh, this podcast goes to air that we'll put that in the notes and, and in the social media posts. Um, but um, the website you can go to, I'll, I'll call it out now, is www.rundipg and then a, a slash. Yeah, dash. Yeah, a or, dash is the word, yeah. org.grassroots, now roots is with a Z, not an S, dot com. Then there's a forward slash ride dash four, f o r. Dash Alia, A H L I A. Now that's that's pretty. That's 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 longer than most recent in, innings as I've played. <laughs> yeah. um, that lasted a lot more than I, the, I the think... most recent innings I've played. I can guarantee you. But what we will do is capture that yeah. in the notes. So thanks, so. Rob. Yeah. I
1: think also if you just Google ride for Alia, yeah. spelt A H L I A. Thought... If you Google ride for Alia, I'm pretty sure
0: it's the first search
1: that comes up. Great, so, great. Yeah.
0: And ultimately, you know, it's a, I suppose we, we see the big freeze every year with the football. It, it tends to have a feeling of we're, we're raising money for something that right now doesn't have any answers. But a bit like that, there is no reason why there can't be an answer for somebody down the track. Have I got that right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like, we've seen what science can do this day and age. And I think, I think a huge part of it, which is so it's been a huge source of frustration to me and my family is that nothing has changed around this cancer over the last 30 or 40 years. Like it just hasn't got the awareness and the funding and it it hasn't been given the opportunity to progress. Um, And like I'm not – it is a very rare and um, aggressive. So it's not just like another cancer that might be fixed um, simply or – but it, yeah, it doesn't respond to your normal chemotherapies and things like that. And you can't operate because it's on the pontine of the brain. So you can't get in there and remove the tumor. So it quite simply is just, it's that rare that they've, it feels like they've sort of been like, it's that rare, it doesn't affect that many people. So we'll just leave it on the side there, which is, it's not right. Like, no. Um, no. So yeah, so what we're trying to do is, is help this Australian charity who are obviously working with. They're working with people in the, in the States, in other countries, so they're working with other people that are researching the same tumour. Um, but it's really just an Australian charity that reached out to Katie and Bryce when Alia was diagnosed um, and gave them a hell of a lot of support and they're supporting everything that we're doing in terms of, um, you know, where Alia's legacy is going, which is it's pretty incredible what's
0: happened over the last 18 months. And the reality is, and as harsh as this sounds, money can change things from time to time. So. Um, get on it, guys, and uh, those who are listening in right now, um, go to Ride for Alia or check out the the website that we'll make sure are, are in the notes or in the social posts that we do around this podcast. and. People can donate any time. They don't have to wait for you to actually do the No, no,
1: it's ongoing. So, yeah, jump on there and, and donate yeah. whenever you'd like and it's all, yeah, greatly appreciated. Anyone, like I said, any donation, small or large, nothing's too small and, and they're all tax deductible, being to a, a registered Australian charity. So.
0: And the other thing that, that, that um, has come into play as well with this and again calls out, I, I think the, the amazing spirit of WA Country Cricket is, is the club itself, Leshenol Cricket Club has really got behind it, but not just the Leshnol Cricket Club but also the Eaton Cricket Club with, yeah. a, with a match that's now become part of the fixturing in the Bunbury and District yeah. Cricket Association. You want to talk a little bit about that one?
1: Yeah, so that just started. I think um, the main drivers were Ange Dagger and Gary Quinn last year just creating a day where we could raise money. That's what it started and then it became Alia's Blue Stumps Day and, um, yeah, they had, yeah, a lot of different things on that day, Um, which was they came to me and asked who I'd like to have the game against, which was a minor detail for me, but it was also quite, yeah, special. I thought I chose Eaton mainly because I feel like I've got a good relationship with them plus... Um, Bryce has a good mate that plays for Eaton. Um, we've got Josh Grime who was formerly with Leshnot, now with Eaton and yeah. Josh got along really well with Ali. I love Josh Grime. So yeah. it was just little things like that that made us choose Eaton. But I think it's worth mentioning that while it was Leshnot versus Eaton, there was I think every A-grade game yeah. got behind it last yeah. year and raised yeah. some money. Yep. Um, and I think this year it's they're, pushing, they're sounding like it might be Ali's round, not yeah. just Ali's game, which yeah. is... As you said, it speaks to the community um, and at the end of the day, we might be rivals on the field, but off the field, there's a hell of a lot of good mates of mine that play for other clubs that are obviously seeing what's happened, what we're going through and are supporting That's pretty special.
0: i got to tell those who are tuning in, there were events happening in the lead up to that game that were just crazy. There were... Caps being auctioned off that were bringing prices that just <laughs> I couldn't believe what yeah. I was seeing, you know. But well, I could believe what I've seen because again, like you just mentioned, it just calls out the the generosity of yeah. country people. Yeah. I, I think. And look, you know, and we're not just saying country people. I'm sure you're getting uh, donations from all around. Uh, Western Australia, whether that be in the metro area or country, uh, the generosity of people really shows out at times like uh, the cause that you're you're really playing an amazing role for and I want to congratulate you and and just call out the fact that I think, you know, many of us go through a lifetime and, and may or may not be defined by things. Alia's life was short, but it lives on through what you're doing, and your family's doing, and and the cause that is so desperately in need of, of, of what you're doing. So well done no, on thank that. Thank you, Rob. Thank you. But we need to start to wind this up. Um, I'd, I could, I would love to so- certainly, you know, talk a lot more about Alia and her life. Um, but this is is mainly about Tom Buchanan. So uh, a couple other things that we need to tick off on on your career. Um, your cricket career. One thing that I think has escaped it, correct me if I'm wrong, but is a is a senior premiership at uh, at country level. Uh, is that something that still burns brightly in you to try it's, and achieve? It's
1: the only thing that's keeping me coming back, Rob, to be <laughs> honest. Um, yeah, look, I've been fortunate enough, like we mentioned, I've won a country cup, I've won a country weight, I run a country champs, but. I yeah, I'm desperately trying to win a, an A grade premiership for Ashnol. That's that's the big thing for me. So yeah, it's it's certainly eluded me into up until now. Um, but hopefully it's something that might be not in the in the, the too distant future.
0: Yeah, and in a, in a tough competition, you know, some there's some amazing competitions in WA regional cricket right now. Uh, the the Bunbury and Districts Reassociation Association is. Has had you know some waves, some lows, some highs over the last twenty or thirty years. But right now, it's a it's a pretty tough comp, isn't it? Um, it it especially is. The yeah,
1: yeah. And every every club goes the right way about it in terms of you know your clubs will get an import here and there, and um, the quality of the comp draws people from other comps, like we've seen Bevan Benell recently and Julian Credelli and things like that. So um, it's it is a great comp, um, and yeah,
0: like I said, hopefully it's not far away. And the other passion in your life, family, cricket obviously, but, but horses and trotting in particular, do you want to tell us a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, so I was, um, sort of got into that when I was about 13 or 14, mum and dad owned a trotter and um, she was quite a, a good trotter. It was um, not their first horse, but their first one that really got to the races and, and did anything and, you know, we're up at Gloucester Park and watching it, won a group one and, and I was just the young kid that went to the trots and just got hooked really. Um, and I said to mum and dad that I wanted to, yeah, go into the stables and, and muck out a bit of crap and stuff like that, you know, do the, the bottom of the rung jobs and mum and dad thought it would just be a two-week thing and I'd get over it and wouldn't want to do that anymore and what are we, 17 years later, yep. it's still in my blood. Yep. Um I don't work full-time training them anymore, but obviously um, I work in the media now in the horse racing industry. And yeah, it's it's something that's, yeah, they say once it's in your blood, it's never goes out. And I, I absolutely agree with that because I, I love the animal, I absolutely love the animal. And that's why I keep going back because um, they are an amazing animal, and I think it 's uh, an incredible sport and I love it and Like I said, most people listening that no me, that no me is the horse person I think so yeah hopefully i 've given a a winner or two to the odd person out there, to keep me on my keep them on my side, but yeah,
0: no, I do love the industry. I can hear Steve Phillippe sidling up alongside you next time for a you know being a, being a horse guy himself. Uh, Steve, yeah. Steve, Steve introduced me. I think it might have been in Shepparton. Actually, took me down to the, the the local club, and I placed my first ever bet on a horse. He still laughs about it. I, <laughs> I didn't know how to do it or uh, what to do, but he, yeah. he, I got there. I think it's still running. Um, but uh, so, what is the role that you um, you play in the media with that now? What, when
1: yeah, so I went over to the media. Uh, I think it was the back end of 2019, and it was really just I thought to myself how can I stay in the industry a bit more sustainable long-term? So I generally, I work um, most Friday nights at Gloucester Park. I do a little bit of thoroughbred work too and then cover most of the country meetings around WA as well with just things like pre-race, post-race interviews, form analysing, things like that. So, yeah, yeah if you tune into Sky Racing on a Friday night at Gloucester Park, you'll hear my voice. Yeah, um, there you go. Get on it, yeah, Sky so, yeah, yeah, so that's me now in the, yeah. in the media side of things rather than because it is such as I touched on earlier in the podcast, it's such a demanding industry. It's you know six days a week, sometimes seven days a week if there's races on a Sunday. Early mornings, it's and I was like, um, I don't want to be doing that in five years' time. So, yep. what do I do? Yep. I mean, it was have a crack in the media, and it's it's going well so far.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, I think uh, I think we've 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 covered Tom Buchanan pretty pretty thoroughly at this stage. I'm sure. Well, I know I would love another couple of hours. To, to, to unpack more of your, especially, uh, I'd love to get inside your head when it comes to fielding because that was the one bit that I, <laughs> I never mastered right from the get-go. Uh, parked me in the gully and I'm quite happy there. Um, but we finish every episode of, of Out on the Paddock um, with what I call the super over, which is uh, my chance to, to bowl six deliveries at you, six quick questions or if they take a little bit longer, that's all right. Um, so I'm going to just fire these at you and you can answer them in any way you like. Uh, I'm going to you know, come in on my angled run-up that I know you guys admire. <laughs> You've got at training. me out.
1: Leg size stumping yeah. more yeah. than once, I think, Rob. So.
0: <laughs> Thank you, Dave O'Shaughnessy. Um, okay, here we go. So first question, and I think we might have already answered this, but I don't want to preempt. In your cricket career, who's the most influential person from your perspective in your career?
1: Yeah, certainly, certainly number one is Dad. Yeah. Um, I think it's, yeah, I can't ever recall a time where I said, Dad, do you want to come feed me some balls on the bowling machine? And he said no. Like mm-hmm. he's always been there. Um, whenever I've asked for something, needed something, he's been unequivocally, yeah, the most influential. Um, I think I do want to give a special mention without, I know you said one, but obviously neither no, a mess. Mention mum for all the travel she's yep. done and the support as well. But the one that also deserves a mention is probably Brett Whittaker. Okay, who, yeah. Um, when I was a young fella, he was he dad took me to Brett and we did a lot of one on one stuff when I was a young kid. So former regional cricket manager. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. And I, um, I reckon for maybe I'm going to say three or four years, maybe I was doing maybe fortnightly sessions um, with Brett for a period of time there. And I think I think back then that was before dad. Um, was right into his coaching as well, so I feel like Dad was almost <coughs> learning as much from those sessions as I was. Right. But I think I think yep. technically,
0: yeah,
1: I think I've got technically I've got er,
0: Brett to thank, and then since then, um, it's been Dad. Yeah, Peter but, and Jenny will go with with you. That's <laughs> the most influential pe- persons in your career. Um, all right, we mentioned and being a highlight in your career, and we. have mentioned that hopefully a highlight is yet to come and that's a Leshenol Cricket Club Premiership in your time it didn't happen in my time but uh, (laughs) hopefully will happen in yours Um, can you tough question this one a favorite moment so far in your career a moment that you look back on regularly we all hopefully have one you were actually part of one of mine, the hundred at Joondalup up one day. You were there, or I, I don't know if you even remember that, but it was one of my highlights yeah, no, to I make a make an a right. country week. Do you uh, remember that day? Century, so you have played a role in one of my favourite moments in Korea. So you can have a couple if you want, but let's just go with with one or two.
1: Um, the first one that come to mind, probably because it was more recent, was the the country week winning country week last year. Um, yep. But not just the win for me. A good mate of mine is Blair Malatesta. Oh yeah, um, and I've always loved love the opportunity to yeah. play with him. Yeah. Um, so for him to be captain last year, and last year was a year I only played half the year. I was a bit iffy whether I was going to play country week and things like that. Um, but Malla really got me on board, and to just to play five games of cricket with Malla was great. But then to win it all with a really good mate of mine was that was that was pretty special. Um, Indi- individually, there's probably not much that really I've sort of defined my memories with team success and those sort of things. But there was a country cup game where I was captain of the BDCA where we chased down 260 or something big one day, and I think I got it. I got 130 odd not out, which might have been yeah, high the score high score scoring, that you yeah. mentioned, yeah. yeah. And as captain, to do that as captain and get a big not Special. out 100 chasing down a big total, that was. Pretty rewarding, yeah. so probably that's probably the individual one that sticks
0: out. Yeah, no, we'll we'll run with that one then. We're at ball uh, the third ball of the the over. If you could achieve, I'll finish this sentence. If you could achieve one more thing in cricket, what would it be? And I think I already know the answer to that one too. Yeah, it's a A grade Premiership for Lashnell. Yeah. All right, so those listening in, uh, you know, watch out this season. Leshnold are, uh, are are going to go hard, I reckon. You mentioned Blair Malatesta. Collie are, uh, are putting themselves back into A grade, I believe this year. I have or, heard, I'm not, yeah.
1: I haven't had it confirmed, but I have heard that rumour. So there's a rumour. So yeah.
0: Yeah, Blair, being an absolute quality cricketer, uh, I'm sure he'll be up for the fight if they come up against Leshnold. Yeah. I mentioned about your style right at the start of this when it comes to cricket, and I was referring to just the way you present yourself on the field. But I've got to say, I've, you know, I've been, um, you know, the, uh, an administrator on tour when you've been away. You're also pretty well known as being fairly stylish when it comes to the off field clothing <laughs> as well. So, ball, four, ball number four has been put up by a number of your mates. Uh, what's a what's a favourite piece of clothing that you can't go on tour without? What's what, what's an absolute must take on tour when it comes oh, geez, to clothing?
1: That is a left field question. Yeah. That <laughs>
0: um, could could be as something as simple as the Sunnies, maybe or no. You know, I don't, nah, know. I don't think it's Sunnies
1: really. No, nah, I, I wouldn't say I'm huge on my Sunnies. Yeah. Um, yeah. You really stumped me with that one, Rob. Like I've got, I've certainly got a favourite pair of jeans that I would wear nine times out of ten. I'm a pretty short back in size in terms of like a nice black pair of jeans that not need to be, so maybe that, I'd, I don't know why my mates have stumped me with that
0: one. Well, that, yeah, a yeah. Couple, of them, couple of them mentioned the jeans, so I think you've nailed it. Okay. So yeah, no, I reckon you're in the, in the right zone when it comes to the jeans. You you, you don't uh, lack a nice pair of, pair of uh, Dax yeah. when it comes to the jeans, so well done. All right, question number five. We're nearly at the end. Okay, you've mentioned the importance of... of, You've mentioned a few names that you've played with in cricket and obviously one of the things that we do really love in in country cricket is mateships that that last and go the distance. Okay, I'm going to make it even tougher than the clothing on... on, You can't get an easy over out of me. You know, I've (laughs) got got to file a couple that nip back off the the scene. You're allowed three mates over for tea... From your career, career, who are they and why? First one is I'll say Mallor. Yeah. For
1: reasons I've already mentioned. Yeah, we're just good mates. Um, And I think, yeah, winning country last year probably enhanced that bond a little bit more. Um, So I'll have to choose Mallor. Second one, Nathan Crosby. Um, Nath and I, yeah, we just... We just became very good mates very, very quickly Um, and he invited me to his wedding about three months after we met and uh, we obviously won on and together and we're still yeah, chat regularly and yep. he's just become a really, really good mate. Quality cricketer too. Oh, absolutely, and he'll let you know about it as yeah. well. So <laughs> he actually, he'll enjoy this. He actually hit me for six over long on one one day at Country Week when I was bowling to him and I've never, ever heard the end of it. So <laughs> hopefully he doesn't talk about that at the dinner. Um, but, yeah, no, it's just a really good mate. Um, and the third one, just purely because... I respect him so much, and I think he'd be great, Kylie. I'm going to say Chris Waddingham. Right. Okay. Yeah. Me and Wadd, I've just, yeah, we've always had gotten along really well. Um, as a young fella, he took me under his wing a bit, and um, just someone who I've always respected immensely, and I feel like he respects me equally, which is, um, you know, an important part of like a friendship like that or competition, however you want to look at it, because we didn't play a lot together, we played a lot against. Um, but yeah, water got a lot of time for water, and yeah. And
0: if you have water for tea, it's going to be a big night, <laughs> exactly. Like, a good night. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So, uh, all right, very good. Last question, and this is the ultimate question. Um, a lot of people listening to this podcast have, have commented to me during the the, the 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 time we've been running this podcast that. Uh, it sounds a little bit like uh, another podcast that's out there and I'll unashamedly admit that uh, I have raped and pillaged a bit from the Howie Games, okay? And uh, he's, uh, he's certainly somebody I've, I've got to know a little bit over the journey as Howie. And uh, he, he rates this as the most important question that you can possibly ask in a podcast and that is, you've got your three mates over for tea, okay? You've ordered the pizzas in. Does the ham have the ham pizza have pineapple on it as well, or pi- no pineapple? No pineapple.
1: Oh,
0: okay,
1: No right, pineapple <laughs> on my pizza, Rob.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, that's clearly why you why you haven't got me over fatigue tea because I'm a big pineapple on pizza <laughs> man. Yeah, nah, did not not happening for you. No, nah, not nah, for nah. me. Rob. Okay, nah. so what? Pine- what is pineapple
1: as a fruit? Yeah, <laughs> as a juice. Yeah, outstanding, but it's, not on my pizza.
0: It's an amazing question. I talked to yeah. Harry about this when I had, had a little bit of time with him. Divides people. But it divides people. It totally divides people. He said, you yeah. know, Rob, if you want to ask a question that will absolutely polarise, ask about pineapple on a pizza. Yeah. So there you go. Tom, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, your story, your cricket story is amazing, but I think I think the thing that uh, hopefully people will take out of this particular episode is is um, Alia and the life that's been and and gone, but still can live on through what you're doing as the, the uncle and, and your family. The tight connections that your family have always had, but continue to have. What you what you're doing there is is simply amazing. Really wanted to get you on the on the on the podcast to not only promote that, but to honour you for what you're doing, and to just call out simply that you know in in our country cricket community, we've got some amazing people and, and you're one of them and I want to congratulate you on what you're doing and, mate, fingers crossed, somewhere in that future, not too down far down the track, there will be a a, a few nights celebrating a Leshnall Cricket Club uh, Premiership.
1: Yeah, no, thank you, Rob. Thank you so much for having me on. It's been a pleasure and when I got the phone call last week, I've been looking forward to it ever since. So um, I just do want to say while I'm absolutely looking forward to A premiership that one day may come. I think with what I've been through, it certainly puts things into perspective that if I don't win one, it's okay because it's just a sport. Um, And I think the best thing we get out of it is our mates and our teammates. And um, yeah, as I said, thanks for having me on and hopefully a few boys sitting at home listening to this enjoyed it. Um, And yeah, really appreciate the work that you're doing with the podcast and as I said, for having me on. So thank
0: you. Good on you, Tom. Thanks, Thanks. Rob. Cheers. Thank you, Tom, for sharing your amazing country cricket journey with us in this episode of Out on the Paddock. We certainly wish you all the best for the remainder of your career and for that unfinished business at Leschinault. We also wish you all the very best for your Ride for Alia on October 1st this year. For those listening who would like to donate to run DIPG and Tom's Ride, please email rideforalia.com at Outlook.com. That's R-I-D-E-F-O-R-A-H-L-I-A at Outlook.com and details will be returned to you. Alternatively, jump onto the WA Country Cricket Board Facebook site where details of Tom's ride and a barcode that you can scan can be found. In our next episode of Out on the Paddock we will be bringing you all the news and important dates in WA Country Cricket for you to be aware of for season 2022-23. And long live WA Country Cricket.